I realize Sabrina does not have as many subscri- subscribers as I thought. Or she lost them. Who's Sabrina? Nerdy and quirky. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, Alex, we have a different format to the show now. We transition. Kind of. Okay, so the second episode that we had, we had you watch The Room for the first time. But we, we picked the movie ahead of time. We decided we kind of like the movies here. So uh, this time we have like a little bucket thing with a bunch of little pieces of paper with a bunch of movies written on them. These are good movies, though. In your opinion. Well, I think it generally agreed upon that these are good movies. Critically acclaimed I'm that kind of thing. usually a devil's advocate, so I'm just going to like find everything I hate about it. Yeah. Well, anyway, these are all going to be better than The Room. And I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> okay, so here, here's what's going to happen. So Alex is going to pick from this little bucket. He's going to read to us what the movie is. Sometimes it might actually be a video game. There are a couple of video games in there. And then we're going to do the whole episode about that. So we're going to do the same thing where he's going to look at the poster, try to predict the plot of it. And then we're going to go watch it, come back, and talk about it, just like what we did with The Room. So, I Alex. super excited to do this. Okay, Alex. I just want to draw this thing. Okay. And I'm going to make the noise very loudly, so it hopefully will be picked up. It's an ASMR cast now. <laughs> <laughs> no. And it will speak softly like this, and I don't know if the mic will pick this up. It is. I'm opening it now. Reservoir Dogs? Reservoir Dogs. Okay. Is that a movie? That is that is a movie. Okay. So this is a Quentin Tarantino movie. Are you familiar with Quentin Tarantino? Is he the one you said was the boobs guy? The boobs guy? Like they show a lot of boobs on film? Um, He doesn't show a significant amount of boobs. You said, I'm pretty sure you said Quentin Tarantino showed a lot of something. Uh, he shows a lot of feet. I don't think I've ever talked about it. He's He's known to be kind of a foot fetish guy for some reason. Yay. What is this about? Oh, wait, you're not allowed to tell me. I'm not allowed to tell you, but I'm going to show you a movie poster. If there aren't dogs, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> okay, so here, let's see. Here is, I'm going to say. Um, Leave all of this empty space in. I, you know I have to. <laughs> no, you don't. Okay. And you won't. So here is a movie poster. Um, da da da, da. Not a single dog on it. Okay. It's black and white. It's it's red. And red. Yeah. Okay, so this is a red poster. I don't like Reservoir Dogs, as far as I know, doesn't have like one clear like movie poster that everyone will be able to find. But it does have the image of all of the characters walking together in their suits. So that's basically what he's basing this movie plot on. Let's go to work. There's a little like shed in the background. That, like, right here? Yeah. I'm showing it to him. And, like, I want this quality to be better because I can't really read mm-hmm. that. It looks like it might say bet with two Ts, so I'm guessing Betty. But, like, I can't really make any assumptions from that. It's an old-timing car in the background. Um, they could be mob guys because of all the suits. Okay. Um, It seems like a bit, like... It doesn't seem that old. Like, I wouldn't say Prohibition, but I was kind of hoping it would be. Okay. Uh, just because... That's pretty uh, far back. Yeah, that's very far back. Mm-hmm. That's why I wouldn't say it. Okay. This looks more like me... No. I'm really bad at time estimates. I'm judging by this guy who's not wearing a suit in it. And I'm guessing, like, Greece-ish time, which is, like, 50s, 60s, You're thinking right? 50s. Okay, so it's in the 50s. And um, what happens in it? Well, there's this dude second from the left. Yeah. He looks super mean. Okay. I'm guessing he's in charge. And then the guy second from the right, mm-hmm. he looks like the funny guy. And so I'm guessing uh, at least a major theme is just like he, the boss guy, he's going to be like given orders and stuff. And then that dude just going to like put a witty aside in. Okay. And then, like... So you, you're characterizing each of these guys. Yeah, there's, I have no one. idea with plot. Um, well, you got to make a plot here. My guess is that they are in some sort of, like, mob or gang type thing, okay. but, like, a stylized They've got gang. a stylized gang. Mm-hmm. And they are going to 
be competing with another rival gang okay. just because that's a cliche. And they are going to lose, but not their lives. Okay. So wait, what are they, how are they competing? Well, I, I have a couple questions here. Okay, first okay. of all, what's their gang's name? The Reservoir Dogs. They're, okay, okay. There's a gang called the Reservoir Dogs. It's the 1950s. And uh, how are they competing with this rival gang? You don't have to name the rival gang. You know, that'd be cool, though. Uh, the other... They're, they're the Alley Cats. The Alley Cats. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. Because it's... Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot the first question. Okay, what, what what is their competition that you're saying that they're competing against each other for? Oh, see, um, yeah, they, um, I have no idea. Okay, so they have a front that's a legitimate business. Okay. Uh, and both teams do. It's like a money laundering thing. Yeah. And, like, it's like this bakery. And so... <laughs> it's like cupcake wars basically like they get like distracted from their crime and just like they're more into this like small oh, okay. business that they have oh this is a real heartfelt <laughs> yeah. heartfelt family it, comedy it about took a turn gangs. it took a turn yeah. and they just like they both want to make the best cupcakes now okay okay i mean not cupcakes but like actual cakes actual cakes yeah. they've okay so they've cupcakes are a bit too feminine for them okay well, I think I mean I think that's a good summary of a movie. Writers get on it. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we're gonna go watch it, and uh, we'll get right back to you with what we thought. I'm sleeping till whenever I want tomorrow, which means about nine, because I can only ever sleep in for like one extra hour. Okay. Like, I'll wake up at 9, and then I'll, like, just stay laying down until I fall asleep again, probably. Okay, Alex, so we just finished Reservoir Dogs. You keep starting when I say the <laughs> stupidest things. Yeah. Anyway. So, what did you think? That was uh, your second Quentin Tarantino movie you've seen, although you haven't seen all of Kill Bill, right? Yes. Okay. That is true. So uh, this, there may have been more, but mm-hmm. probably not. So this was basically Quentin Tarantino's like first breakout movie, like the first one that he did like on his own that was super successful. Did he do ones with other people? Uh, he did like co-direct a couple movies. I think it's called like Four Rooms or something like that. Like it, basically, the, for all intents Wait, and purposes, for the rooms that no, sounds horrible. Okay. I can't even deal with one. <laughs> yeah, but a- a- anyway, th- this was like his first movie that was like really popular. Really like. It also started the Quentin Tarantino-verse, because all of his movies apparently take place in the same universe, which I will get to as we go through. So let's let's start with a summary. Wait, wait. Do. Can I first say the first four things that I wrote down? Okay. Big dicks, open parentheses, nine dicks, end parentheses. Yeah. Watch the swearing, Madonna's big dick, finger gun. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, okay, so yeah, the the movie starts with this scene of them all at the diner. Which all of this happened inside of that. Yeah, so they, there's this there's this big group, this uh, crime group, I guess, as we learn later. They're they're together to do some sort of heist, and their boss is there. They're, they're eating breakfast together, and that's just how you're thrown into the movie, is just their conversation they're having about what the meaning of Madonna's Like a Virgin is. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, you think they could just be like some jazz group that's like on break. Yeah, this is actually the extended Blues Brothers band. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, so, so they're. I I won't really go into detail about what they think that Madonna's like a virgin is about. Yeah. Mostly because I don't want the explicit tag on this podcast. Yeah. And also because it's not really relevant to the plot as a whole. Do you think I've said dick too many times for you not to be? I don't know. Is that like? Uh, that's a you question. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Google? Yeah. Uh, so also, like, right off the bat, they're, like, clearly not the greatest characters in terms of, like, being good people. They're, they're cussing like crazy yeah, in right after public f- diner. Right after Finger Gun, I have anti-Semitism. Yeah, 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 there is there is some of that. Um, and, then, and then there's this thing about uh, Mr. Pink. He doesn't tip. Which I agree with, but he's kind of being a jerk about it. Yeah. Like, the logic behind it, you can kind of see what he means. 
of like he doesn't like this system of tipping Mm -hmm. but you know like actually not tipping then like that's that's its own problem as well yeah um so yeah but like this is a very drawn out conversation it really marks pink as being selfish which also you know it comes back later as well he's a he's a very selfish character um, so you're also clearly introduced to the fact that none of these people are using their real names. They're just Mr. and a color. I didn't notice that at mm. that point. Yeah. It took me a super long time to notice yeah. it. Well, I mean, the movie just throws you in. Like, it doesn't discuss that until way later when you see the scene where they're actually assigned their names. I mean, because a lot of the names could be, like, act- well, at least Mr. White could mm. be a real name. Yeah. So I just didn't uh, catch on at all. Yeah, but there's like what, Mr. White, Mr. Orange, Mr. Brown, Mr. Pink, Mr. Blue, Mr. Blonde, and I think, yeah, that's all of them, actually. And Joe and Eddie. And Joe and Eddie, yeah. These are all of our characters, which which is really cool to not have, you know, more than just this this very close-knit group of characters. Like, there's there's no extra, like, throwaway characters in the movie for the most part. Every character has some sort of personality to them. I really liked the fact that, like, because, I, like... We weren't explained why Joe, like, everybody knew Joe's name. Everybody knew Eddie's name. Yeah. But everyone else didn't know yeah. anyone else. Well, like, again, this comes back to the fact that, like, this is very nonlinear, which is something that Quentin Tarantino kind of seemed to start more so with Pulp Fiction than with this movie. Pulp Fiction, I believe, came out after this. Um, they're kind of, they're, they're in the same universe, kind of. Although that doesn't totally make sense because the actor who plays Mr. White is a different character in Pulp Fiction. But he's like kind of the same character. He plays like this mob boss kind of guy in Pulp Fiction. And then Quentin Tarantino, of course, is a character in all of his own movies. Is Pulp Fiction in our jar of mystery? It is, yes. Good. We could go to that movie eventually. We need to come up with a name for that. I don't really like Jar, the jar of mystery. mystery. Like, it could yeah. work. I feel like we've already gotten off track about the plot, but I like this because this is the conversation about the movie really has to widen out because of how the movie's formatted. Um, so, like, the entire movie is very nonlinear. Um, it's, say, it, like, it starts at this diner that's, like, after the, the whole thing is planned, but before the actual heist goes down. It's the day of the heist. It's that morning. Um, and we then... All, sorry. Yeah, th- then you cut to right after the heist. We also learned that 70s or earlier is and later is this time period. Uh, I think it's probably the late 80s. Okay. Um, that seems to be what it is. It could it could be earlier. Um, but yeah, it, like it's it's contemporary to when the movie came out, basically. Okay. Um, which the I, I believe Pulp Fiction is pretty strong in just being early 90s. And I think it's afterwards, considering like the character seems to have aged a little bit. Also, the only, the other tie to Pulp Fiction that it has is uh, there's the character Mr. Blonde. His name is uh, Vic Vega, which um, Vega is also the last name of one of the main characters of Pulp Fiction, played That's by awesome. John Travolta. Um, similar thing. He wears the same kind of outfit with the weird suit thing. Uh, anyway, both movies about like crime and stuff like that. So anyway, so Mr. Pink doesn't tip. We're going back to the summary here. Mr. Mr. Pink doesn't tip. There's a big conversation about that, um, which also, like, dumb joke that's thrown in here, but is referenced a lot. Uh, Mr. Pink was like, uh, like, people were saying, like, don't you feel bad that you aren't, a- like, you aren't giving any money to these waitresses that are living off of tips? And then he does this little thing with his fingers. He's, like, rubbing his fingers together, and he's like, oh, I'll play them a sad song on the world's tiniest violin, mm-hmm. uh, which, like, you know, is referenced in SpongeBob all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I caught that. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, is funny. this the introduction of this bit? Yeah, I actually, I don't know. I can't confirm nor deny that. this the, Like, SpongeBob could be referencing uh, Reservoir Dogs this whole time, and I just so, never knew. Would it be bad to talk about like our feelings on the whole not tipping thing, or is that just really off? Uh, I think that I think that's kind of off. Okay, like, we don't we don't really need to discuss that. That's fair. But yeah. Anyway, so from there, then we have this opening credits, uh, which is them just kind of leaving the diner and walking down the street a little bit with this like epic music playing, and it's like you know throwing the the names of all the actors over each face. Um, they're all wearing suits for the most part, other than Eddie. And I believe Joe also is wearing, like, some other weird button-up. Eddie is wearing just the most 90s slash 80s jacket ever, like the windbreaker jacket. He's the one that I commented on not wearing a suit, but because it was black and white, I thought it was, Mm -hmm. like, a green color. Yeah. So, like, that threw me off. If I had known it was blue, I probably would have been at least a little more accurate. Yeah. Um, 
so anyways, you're introduced to all these characters, and then it fades like to, to black, and then just has like the name of the director and everything like that, and the producer, and mm-hmm. and then it just you start hearing like this guy screaming, yeah, and then it just blurs into the next scene, which is cut to after the heist has been it has already taken place, and uh, Mr. Orange is bleeding like crazy in the backseat of the car. Mr. Yeah, it's White is gross. driving, um, and he's like screaming that he's dying. Uh, and like Mr. White's like, you're not dying, you're not dying. Don't worry about it. Also, the audio is like not super good during that time. Like mm-hmm. in the entire thing, it's probably because it's old. Uh, well, but like yeah. oftentimes they couldn't hear what they were saying when like things were happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. That, that's it's another discussion to have about that. But yeah. Uh, so then, uh, Mr. White drives them to the warehouse. Um, which is just a warehouse that, as far as we know right now, that's just where they're all supposed to meet up after the heist. That was, like, the plan. Um, gets there, kind of he carries him over to this little ramp in the warehouse, just kind of lays him there, and that is where he stays for the rest of the movie. Yeah, yeah. In, a pu- in a puddle of his own blood. Yeah, 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 the, the puddle definitely develops Which is slowly gross. And, and uh, so Mr. Orange is still freaking out like crazy, as mm-hmm. he rightfully should, because he's sitting in a puddle of his own blood. Yeah. Uh, and Mr. White gives him, like, tries his best to comfort him. Yeah, they snuggle. They do snuggle a little bit. Um, this is another weird thing that I noticed that kept happening, which is where um, Mr. White kept taking out, like, his comb and, like, like combing uh, Mr. Orange's hair. He later makes a point to look in the mirror and comb his own hair. I don't know why that's repeated. Like, there's, there's an importance of image. He also uh, takes out his handkerchief and wipes at least a lot of the blood off of yeah. uh, Orange's face. Yeah. Which I like. I, I'm sure that means something thematically, considering like these are characters that don't know each other's identities. Mm-hmm. Uh, Especially since it's a white handkerchief. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. what could that mean? Just like the identities they're trying to like, or the, the images oh. they're giving to each other, basically. What foreshadowing? The white foreshadows the loss of purity when, the yeah. I, I guess so. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, um. So from there, Mr. Pink shows up. He shows up to the warehouse. Um. He. <laughs> Also, a little freaked out that but in a Orange different is shot. way. Yeah, in a very selfish. In way. In a very selfish way, he's very because uh, he's freaked out, thinking that they were set up. This is when we also learned that Mr. Orange has died. Um, which no Brown. Oh, Mr. Brown. Mr. Orange is the one laying on the ground. They're they're close. They're similar colors. Mr. Orange is yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it would be very bad if that happened. Yeah. So this is where we learn that Mr. Brown has died, which is predictable if you know anything about Quentin Tarantino's movies. Which I didn't. Because like Mr. Brown is played by Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino is a character in all of his own movies, except that he doesn't really like. Well, like he's not the greatest actor. Yeah, I noticed. So they don't really like putting him in, in his movies. I think he knows that he's not the greatest actor, so he shouldn't be in his movies the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why, like, that's one of people's like biggest complaints with Pulp Fiction is that it's like a beautiful masterpiece of a movie, and then right in the middle, there's just this scene with him in it. It's just like this crappy actor. Okay, I can't movie. wait to see that. Yeah. Then. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so so he dies. It's kind of uh, like Stanley. Stan- oh, yeah, Stanley with the, the cameos and all the Marvel yeah, movies. Yeah, he's also not a great actor. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, who's this conspicuous mailman? Okay, so so then uh, White, uh, Mr. White and Mr. Pink go to another room to discuss what was what they're going to do about all this, uh, which is when we get the, uh, the part with Mr. White making sure to comb his hair in the mirror and both of them looking in the mirror at themselves. This is where I noted how, like, they often... He kept using faraway camera angles where, like, people might have been cut off or, like, mm-hmm. some aspect that was significant was cut off. And I know there's meaning in this. <laughs> okay. I think it's all, it's, I think it might be a comment on how, like, you as the viewer can't view everything. Like, you have no idea what happened during the event. You have no idea what's going to happen. You don't know the backstories of all the characters yeah, until man. the camera pans. So th- this is when we have uh, a flashback, one of many flashbacks in the movie, mm-hmm. where we, we go back to Mr. Pink immediately after the heist, when they're trying to get away from the heist. And he's just running like crazy. Yeah. Something that is very important to his character, generally. He's, he's really good at running away from things. And uh, we see him run away from these police officers. He, he like steals this woman's car, and then he shoots a bunch of police officers, and he drives away. So that's how he ends up then eventually at the warehouse with them. Mm-hmm. And at this point, like, 
Mr. White and Mr. Pink have been talking for a very long time, and I'm just like on the edge of my seat thinking, Orange is bleeding out. Yeah. <laughs> now now we're like, the the flashback ends. Oh, also, a thing in the flashback I forgot to mention. Uh, while he's running down the street away from the police officers, he bumps into a guy, and you hear the Wilhelm scream. Um, I'm assuming you're familiar with the Wilhelm scream. No. Oh, okay. So, so there's this scream. It's a very old scream from like a movie a very long time ago. And uh, it's repeated throughout movies all the time. I actually have heard of this. Yeah. You, I mean, even if you've never heard of it, you've definitely heard the scream. I just haven't heard of it by name. Yeah. I think I read it once, so it, it yeah. just didn't click. This is like one of like the weaker uses of the Wilhelm scream I've ever seen. <laughs> like, it doesn't really make any sense why that guy that he just nudged to the side is screaming so loud. We need to replay it after we shoot this. And <laughs> yeah. just, I, need, I need to hear this. Yeah, it, it wasn't good. I mean, I'm per- I don't really like the Wilhelm scream. I think it's a dumb trope. Like it's just like oh inside joke ha huh? I I like wait are they just doing it because it's funny now like oh, are they is, not doing yeah. it for like actual use of screen I don't know if it's ever been used unironically really like it's it's always it's always like hey check out this historic scream that's in all these movies <laughs> like, okay it's so funny I mean like I think my favorite use of the Wilhelm scream was in uh, Star Wars Battlefront. It's in the game. It like it's in the game because it's in the Star Wars movies. So they threw it. Like sometimes if you like throw a grenade in in uh, Star Wars Battlefront. Oh yeah, that like, scream. Yeah. Okay. Um. Anyway, so <laughs> off of that side note about the Wilhelm scream. So the flashback ends and we're now back to Mr. White and Mr. Pink talking in that room. Mm-hmm. A little freaked out that uh, Orange is probably maybe dead in the other room because uh-huh. they just left him alone for so long. One of them asked, "Did you kill anyone?" And I loved the answer, and it was just cops. Yeah, yeah. They said so no real people. Yeah, yeah. That was that was like the line. They meant like citizens, like pedestrians, yeah. but like cops cops are important. Yeah, well, I mean they're 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 career criminals. It's, it's like that's their that's their job. Um so I is, thought you meant cops. No. I figured this out now. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I, I meant the the squad of people we follow in this movie. Um, so this is when we learn that apparently back at the heist, uh, Mr. Blonde went crazy and just started shooting up all of the managers of the uh, the diamond store that they were they were uh, stealing from. Which this is also where we learned that they're doing a heist from a diamond, like a uh, jewelry store. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it basically from what we hear, Mr. Blonde went crazy because the alarm went off and just decided to shoot all of them because one of them must have triggered the alarm. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Clearly, we know he's not a good dude already. Yeah. We don't know who he is exactly even yet. So we think he is slightly unstable before we even meet him. Yeah. And then... then There's another flashback. And then Pink... Uh, Mr. Not Pink, yet. not just Pink. Mr. Pink is saying that there must be a rat among them. Yeah. There's somebody that, that gave them away because the cops just showed up way too fast. And then Pink suggests that it might be Mr. Orange. And Mr. White's immediately defensive. Because he's like, I just watched that guy take a bullet. Like, there's no way that he is the rat. Which, you think that means, like, a cop shot him. Yeah. We see later there's some different circumstances. But anyway, now we're at another flashback. It's flashback to Mr. White. And it's Mr. White talking to the boss, which is uh, Joe. It just in his office. Because Joe, Joe, it turns out, is like a super rich dude in this super rich place. Yeah. Like, clearly the leader of some sort of giant crime syndicate. Which, like... I expected he might have some money because he just, like, covered everyone's breakfast. And I'm like, wow, that's really nice. But, yeah, like, the breakfast was at, like, a shitty diner. Oh, yeah, that's fair. I got to bleep that out now. That's annoying. <laughs> uh, I got to stop. Aw, shucky darns. I know. Aw, shucky darns. Um, but, but at this point, Orange is now unconscious. Mm-hmm. And we all thought he was dead for, like, three seconds. Yeah. It's fine. I really liked Orange from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so this entire time, I was just on the edge of my seat, like, Pumpkin, no. Well, I think like the movie makes you want to like Orange because mm-hmm. you see him at such a vulnerable place so early in the movie. Yeah. Um, you find him a little annoying, though. Yeah. Just like a little whiny. Yeah. So, well, he just got shot. <laughs> so, like, yeah, he's bleeding Completely out. fair. Yeah, completely fair that he's whining. So the flashback where White talks to, the, uh, talks to Joe is really, really short. So now that they're back at the warehouse, and uh, Mr. White is like... So, basically, Mr. Pink is suggesting they should go, like, run off. But, like, he's like, no, I can't abandon uh, Mr. Orange because he feels it's his fault that Mr. Orange got shot. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then this just erupts into a fight between Mr. White and Mr. Pink. They repeatedly say that they're not safe there, but they knew nothing about it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, that fight is intense. And like, there's just this one scene that, again, has a far away a camera angle where Mr. Uh, Pink is on the ground and Mr. White is above him. They're both po- pointing guns at each other. Yeah. And like, you still see Orange bleeding in the background, like super far away. And like, I just love that screenshot. Yeah. Like that just seems like a cool movie poster yeah. to me. So while they're they're aiming their guns at each other and like it zooms out to see the full perspective of the scene, mm-hmm. it turns out the perspective we're seeing is of this new mysterious figure who has walked into the room mm-hmm. who announces himself and it turns out this is Mr. Blonde, the one that we know of already as being just a real crazy guy. Yeah. That shot up these people. Uh, and now this goes into a flashback for Mr. Blonde. Wait, wait. Yeah. Mr. Blonde is also carrying, like, a 7-Eleven Slurpee thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has, like, like a little like soda. soda cup. Yeah. yeah. Which I found great character development in. Yeah. Like, that means he stopped at a convenience store. Yeah. yeah. I well, wonder if well, he Well, actually, it was, it was a fast food place because he mentions the as fries. Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. That's, well, that's a little later. But now we go to a flashback to see how Mr. Blonde got involved with this. This is where we learn that Mr. Blonde is Vic Vega. Uh, related to the Vega family that reoccurs throughout the Quentin Tarantino universe. Um, And uh, so now Mr. Blonde is talking to Joe in his office, the same office we saw Mr. White talking to him in before. Real rich dude. Uh, I won't really go into detail with this one because it's not really too interesting. Eddie comes in. There's like a little... Clearly they're good friends, Eddie and and Mr. Blonde. Uh, And then Joe offers him a job. Like, to get away from his parole officer and get some money. Because it turns out that uh, Mr. Blonde is still on parole. Probably not a good idea to get involved with this crime syndicate thing yeah. if you're on parole. Um, but, they're, like, the uh, Joe's basically saying, like, hey, we'll take care of your, uh, your parole officer. Don't worry about it. You join and work for us. But, like, it seems like they want him to do, like, a fairly not illegal job yeah that is what they first suggest yeah like they're just completely fine with him like taking money and not actually working they said that he wouldn't have to do anything and just like but he wants in yeah yeah he wants to do the work before he's clearly into this and they are clearly not going to refuse him pretty much anything Mm -hmm. because it seems like they're in his debt which you realize that they are in his debt yeah later. later yeah um so now that flashback is over, another real short flashback, and we're back at the warehouse where uh, Mr. Blonde has just shown up and broken up this fight between Mr. Pink and Mr. White, with Mr. Orange still dying on the floor. And uh, Of course. So it turns out that uh, Mr. Blonde has brought a hostage with him of a cop, uh, and he, they tie him up, and then they just start beating on him. Yeah, all of them, yeah, except all, Orange. Well, obviously. yeah, Orange is dying, kind yeah. of, so... Uh, and now Eddie shows up, and he's he's a little confused why they have a cop, but uh, whatever. And he uh, he starts talking about what they should do now. Well, he's not just confused that they have a cop. He's kind of pissed off. Yeah, he's like, this cop. is probably a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, like, if you were in charge of this situation and someone brought a cop and kidnapped them, you're going to be kind of pissed because yeah. no way that ends well. Yeah. And uh, Eddie shows up. He starts. He also starts saying that there's no way this is a setup. He thinks that Mr. Pink is just like not thinking straight about all of this. Mm-hmm. Like the cops showed up because they were shooting up the place. They didn't just show up out of nowhere. And the alarm was pulled. Yeah, and the alarm was pulled. Um, so Eddie's saying that Mr. Pink and Mr. White should go with him, and they're gonna go get the diamonds that Mr. Pink hit. And well, he stashed them somewhere when he was running. Um, so they're going to go, and they're going to leave Mr. Blonde alone with Mr. Orange and the cop, which Mr. White immediately is like, that's not a good idea. Mr. Blonde is a crazy man mm-hmm. because Mr. Blonde is a crazy man. So it is clear that Mr. White is A, protective of Mr. Orange, and then also does not trust Mr. Blonde. Blonde. Yeah. Um, so, so they do leave anyway, just yeah. like against what Mr. White had just said. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mr. Blonde is now left alone with Mr. Orange and the cop. So, uh, also good to note right now, um, Mr. Orange is asleep. He is passed out. Mm-hmm. Um, they thought he was dead when they first saw him that he was passed out, but they're like, no, they checked his pulse. He's still alive, just passed out on the floor. 
Um, so for all intents and purposes, Mr. Blonde is alone with the cop who is sitting tied to a chair, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mr. Blonde starts threatening that he's going to torture the cop. And the cop is like, but I don't know anything. It's okay. You can just torture me as much as you want. You aren't going to get any information out of it. And this is where Mr. Blonde reveals that he's not torturing him to get information. He just likes torturing cops. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he waits a while before he actually starts torturing him. First, he puts on some music and dances while like holding things to torture him with. He also sings while he's doing. Yeah, it. he he does a little bit I of like a dance. Yeah, he does a little bit of a dance and stuff. Cause he, and he asks the cop if he knows of this musician that they're listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is when then he takes a razor and he cuts off the cop's ear. Also, they're listening to a radio show, which is interspersed throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah. The, you hear the, the guy in charge, like the radio uh, announcer or whatever. Who has like a super slow drawl, which mm-hmm. kind of like messes with the pace. Yeah, yeah. So, so now... We uh we don't watch him cut off the ear because the Thank camera goodness. pans away a little bit. We just hear it and we see like the rest of the room, as we know that uh, just Mr. like the Blonde gray the warehouse, ear. the gray warehouse walls. Yeah. Uh, so then it, it comes back and we just see like uh, Mr. Blonde walks into the shot holding an ear mm-hmm. and just covered in like a bunch of blood. Makes sense. And then it cuts back over to the cop that is now missing an ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, now he, uh, Mr. Blonde decides to walk outside of the warehouse, which we think like, oh, he's going to leave now. He's, yeah. He's done maybe. And when he walks outside, the music immediately disappears. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're outside now. We can't hear the, the radio. Which is insane. That mm-hmm. warehouse is super soundproof. Yeah. Like, and then he enters it again and it's loud as heck. Yeah. Like. It's so Which strange and disorienting. I, so right? whenever he goes out, he goes to his car, he gets a can of gasoline, and mm-hmm. then walks back into the warehouse. But And then you're like, oh, yeah. shit. The thing I found interesting is that he starts this song before he cuts off his ear, mm-hmm. and the song continues the whole time through the torture. Mm-hmm. So you know exactly how long the torture scene is. You know, like, this isn't actually all that long. Like, at most, it's like four minutes or something long. Like, the, the scene, it's very continuous like that. Which is, I don't know, I, I found it interesting like that. Yeah, it's but. not really, really even torture, really, at this yeah. point. Because torture is supposed to be prolonged. Yeah. He's just causing him pain, and then he's and going he's to like, kill him. he's enjoying it. Yeah. Because there's also a point that he points a gun at him just to see him squirm. Yeah, and he does a lot. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. So now uh, he covers the cop in gas with that mm-hmm. gas can that he just got. And uh, then first of all, he ripped like he had duct tape over his yeah. mouth and then he ripped it off so he could hear the guy pleading. Yeah, he covers him in gas and then he holds out a lighter and uh, he's he just waits to hear him begging for his life. Mm-hmm. Then it looks like he's about to drop the lighter and light the gasoline when suddenly he gets shot by a whole clip of a gun by Mr. Orange, who has woken up. Yeah. And this is when Mr. Orange talks to the cop and reveals that Mr. Orange is the rat. He is the cop. And this is when I really liked Mr. Orange. Immediately when he killed Mr. Blonde, I'm well, yeah. like all for I him. I think everyone hates Mr. Blonde because Mr. Blonde is just a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. He's like a total monster of the movie. Um, so again, like this movie is very good at like making you like certain characters. And dislike others. And dislike others, yeah. I think you dislike Mr. Pink more than I do. Uh, I mean, I don't know. He's kind of just a coward. Yeah. I don't know. He's not, like, a bad person, but he's mm-hmm. not nice. Yeah. Well, he's just he's just selfish. I feel like he's the majority of also, people. Also, like, it it's Steve Buscemi, and Steve Buscemi is generally not a very attractive-looking person to look at. And I don't know. I don't, I don't like looking at him. I feel like okay. It's, it's kind of mean, but I don't know. I just, like, he's he's... He Steve Buscemi, if him. you're listening to this podcast, I don't think you look that bad. I mean, he's like an he's, amazing actor. He's not horrible looking at all. I, I don't know. I don't like. I like. He's just got a very sleazy. Very yeah, very sleazy look to him. Yeah, but that's, like, that's on purpose. Steve Buscemi, we do still love you. That's on purpose. I think he's yes. in Boardwalk Empire. I don't think he looks as bad in Boardwalk Empire right now. Is that a movie? No, it's a TV show. Okay. He's he's like he's in it anyway. Um, so, so now he's revealed to this police officer that he's a cop. And then the police officer is like, I know. 
Like, he, he, he yeah. apparently, they were in, like, training together way back when. Which is amazing if you think about it. Because this means this cop has gone through all these people punching him, this person cutting off his ear, this person dousing him in gasoline, threatening to kill him, and he's never said a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really, he's true to the honor of, uh, you know, not revealing his identity. Uh, so now Mr. Orange is, like, somewhat in debt to this police officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we have a very long flashback, the longest flashback of the movie, where we go back and we see Mr. Orange as he becomes undercover, learns how to do his job undercover, and then, like, becomes a part of the group. Which is an amazing flashback. Yeah. I think it's my favorite flashback. It's, it's, it's pretty long. We see um, him learning this fake story that then he tells. Like, like first we see him telling it to... Um, to like his police officer friend who's like training him and then you see him practicing it in his little room which is yeah. adorable because you can see his silver surfer poster yeah yeah and you're like oh you're a dweeb yeah he, he's he's clearly like kind of just a young kid mm-hmm. who, who's like he he's gotten into this job uh, and then we see him like performing basically this story to the group of criminals that he's been working with this whole movie to uh mr white joe and ed and uh, so I don't know if the the details of the story necessarily are all that important. It's just like Not him. Really. He just has pot in his backpack and he goes to the bathroom and there were like four cops and a dog there and they bark at him and he just basically goes to the bathroom like normal and then leaves. Mm-hmm. They, like the story is lame, but the way he tells it is very like very, like very extravagant. And you learn after the entire story is told that he was telling it to Mr. White, Eddie, and Joe. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, so then, let's see, and then, then you see just Mr. Orange, like, learning to be with the group. He's trying, like, learning how to insert himself into the conversation and just be very natural. And he kind of, like, he plays it up really, really well. And throughout the entire time, whenever he is with people, he's with Mr. White. Yeah. There's clearly, a bl- like, a bond between Mr. White and Mr. Orange. Mm-hmm. Um, they like... Uh, it, it, it's like a, like a father-son kind of thing. Yeah, they're kind of adorable. Yeah. It's like mentor mentee type thing. Yeah, and then we see uh, the the scene of them in the warehouse before all of the heist went down, where Joe is assigning them their names and telling them what they're going to need to do for this heist. And Mr. Pink is annoying again and doesn't want to be Mr. Pink. Yeah, Mr. Pink is annoyed why he was chosen to be named Mr. Pink. Because it reminds people of female genitalia. True. Yeah. Uh. So then that, that's the end of that flashback, and we are now back at the warehouse. And uh, so to, to refresh, because it's been a while since we've talked about this, it is Mr. Orange, who is now awake, out of bullets in his gun because he just, like, shot all of them into Mr. Blonde. And uh, the cop is still sitting in the chair, still tied up, bleeding, and missing an ear. And also covered in gasoline. Yeah, he's still covered in gas. Yeah. Uh, so now everyone comes back from, like, that that uh, mission they went on to get the jewels from where they were stashed. And they're just like, what the heck happened here? And uh, Mr. White is still very defensive of Mr. Orange in this, as Mr. Orange recounts what happened. And basically his fake story is that Mr. Blonde was plotting to kill all of them and run off with the diamonds. Mm -hmm. Um, But Eddie is there, and Eddie, who we saw before, has like a bond with Mr. Blonde. Uh, Eddie says there's no way that that would be true because he could have run off a while ago, but instead he stayed with them and ended up having to serve four years in jail. Mm-hmm. Because, because in a previous heist, he was in a room with a bunch of stolen goods, and that's where he got caught, and he could have squealed the whole time and got yeah. off. Yeah, he could, have, he could have sold them out and told the cops about everyone's identity and gotten off free. Exactly. Uh, but he chose not to. So Ed has a huge amount of trust for Mr. Blonde, which is why he thinks that, well, Mr. Orange must be lying now. Mm-hmm. Um, so also right when Ed walks in, then he just kills the cop right off the bat. So Orange making all this effort to save the cop, just, you know, no reason. And to Orange's merit, he has very little reaction to this. Yeah. Like he just learned that his fellow police officer got killed, but he is so chill. I mean, he's also dying, but still, like, there is no visible reaction. So Eddie is not buying the story, and then this is when Joe walks in. Uh, Joe, the leader of this whole crime group. Mm -hmm. He's an older man, and Joe starts yelling that Orange is the cop. 
Yeah. Like he had he has some information from someone else saying that Orange is the cop. And White immediately like bring he's the knight in shining armor here. The white knight. The white knight. Yeah. I was hoping you were going to say that. Uh-huh. Yeah. So so now we have a standoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have um Mr. White, like with Orange. Then we have Joe and we have Eddie. Eddie's pointing his gun at Mr. Orange. Joe is pointing his gun at Mr. White. And Mr. White is pointing his gun at Joe. Is this where the final flashback happens? There is no flashback here. We're, we haven't gotten the one where he, we saw him got shot yet. Oh, yeah. I missed that one. Oh, wait. No, that, that was during... That, that was right after the, the Mr. Orange flashback with everything else. Oh, because yeah. that's very significant. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we missed a part of the story here, everybody. So right before this scene where Eddie comes back with everybody, we have another flashback where we see immediately after, like, after the heist happened but before Mr. Orange got shot. Mm-hmm. And we see that Mr. Orange and Mr. White are in the car with Mr. Brown. And Mr. Brown gets shot in the head. Yeah, he's like super bloody. Yeah. So then Mr. White and Mr. Orange are running, trying to find a car to, to, to get out of this. They see a woman driving a car towards them, so they aim the gun at her and they're like, hey, give give get out of the car. Uh, so she like she is trying to stand her ground. She takes a gun out of the glove box, ends up shooting Mr. Orange in the gut, and then Mr. Orange shoots her back and kills her. Mm-hmm. Which this is significant because he's a cop who just killed a civilian. Exactly. I don't know what the protocol is because like he was being shot at but it was still a civilian yeah so like i don't know even in the real world how that would be yeah handled yeah but like the big problem with this then like we had known he was shot the whole time like we went and thought that you know the the police officer shot him which is crazy because he's supposed to be undercover they should know Mm -hmm. but no it wasn't a police officer who shot him it was just a civilian with a gun Mm -hmm. uh so now let's let's uh let's go back to the standoff that happened um, so now we have, we have that standoff. We have, um, Joe, we have Eddie and we have Mr. White. So Joe is now pointing his gun at Mr. Orange because he thinks that he is the rat. No, Eddie was pointing his gun at Mr. Orange. No. Really? No, it's Joe. Okay. Joe is pointing at Mr. Orange and then Mr. White, uh, points his gun at Joe and then Eddie is protecting his father, Joe, by pointing mm-hmm. his gun oh, yeah, yeah. at yeah. Mr. White. Yep. And they, like, talk about it for a little bit. Like, no matter what happens, if anyone pulls any trigger, everyone's going down and they know it. Yep. And they all try to talk the person in front of them to putting down their gun. Mm-hmm. And, but it doesn't work. Yeah, they're all, they just start yelling, things get really crazy, and then they all shoot. And we just see everyone drop to the floor. Which is weird, because no one was pointing their gun at Eddie, mm-hmm. the son. Yeah. And then we realize, because he starts standing up, that Mr. Pink was. Yeah. And, like, that's so weird. Mr. Pink has nothing to, like, no problem with Eddie. Yeah. But then everyone falls to the ground because everyone's just been shot. Or Mr. Orange has been shot again. Yeah. (coughs) And he's still alive. Yeah. Mr. Pink runs off. He takes the bag of diamonds and just gets out of there. And Mr. White, you hear groaning, and he's trying to stand up and does not succeed. Yeah. Mr. White is like, he starts basically cuddling with Mr. Orange. Again. Because they're both dying, like mm-hmm. here. In each other's arms. Yeah. And uh, this is when Mr. Orange reveals that he is the cop. And he tells Mr. White, I'm sorry, that, and that he's the cop the whole time. And he only says it after you start hearing the sirens. Yeah. So I don't know why he did that. Mm-hmm. Maybe because he was feeling guilty. But like... This criminal who has a gun in his other hand and is right next to you, you're telling yeah. that you betrayed him. Well, I think I think at this point, Mr. Orange kind of thinks that Mr. White has every right That's to, fair. to kill him. I, like, I think he's kind of accepted that he's done some bad things in this group, and he does care about Mr. White. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the fact that Mr. White has been pr- like protecting him the whole time. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, now... It ends with these police officers have come in and they're yelling that they're going to shoot Mr. White if he doesn't get the gun away from Mr. Orange. We hear a trigger pulled, like presumably Mr. White has shot Mr. Orange and then Mr. White goes down getting shot by the police officers. But we don't know that. We don't know that for sure. Because 
at that point, when he has his gun pointed at Mr. Orange's face, the camera angle has moved, so you don't see the gun anymore. Well, yeah, you see a bit of his you arm. Hear, you hear a single bullet, like a bu- single bullet shot, then a pause, and then we see a bunch more. You or you, we hear a bunch more bullet or uh, gunshots, and then we see Mr. White fall down. Yes. I think it's it's pretty clear that that is what was supposed to happen: is that Mr. White killed Mr. Orange. I'm and not Mr. White completely was sure. Because, and I'll give you some reasoning for this, he, uh, the first shot, it's clear that his arm doesn't move. His arm is in the shot still. Mm. So that's either just inaccuracy or that could have meaning. And also, presumably, some uh, police officer could have gotten excited and thinking that he's going to do it, decide to shoot first because Mm. presumably he would not be able to shoot afterward. And then the rest of them just joined in, making sure to finish off the job. Uh, I feel like that's possible, and that's why I wrote inconclusive here. I don't feel it's likely, but I like having that slimmer of hope. Yeah, I don't know. Because like, the way I see it, I, I think it's it's pretty clear that Mr. White did kill Mr. Orange. I think he had every right to, to do it. And I think it was kind of like realizing the betrayal there leading up to it. Like you, you see it in his face, like just totally like destroyed that like – he had basically gone against like his old friends being Joe and Eddie to protect this kid that turns out to be like their enemy the whole time. And that is an amazing, like that's just an amazing job of acting that he does there. Cause mm-hmm. all that you see in that camera angle is his face and a little bit of his arm. And like, it's enough for like the whole 10 seconds that it's just on him with dialogue in the background of someone yelling at him to put his gun down. Yeah. And it's extremely good. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, like like the movie doesn't leave you feeling good. It does not. Exactly. Like this is something I think Tarantino's really good at. Like a lot of his movies end on this kind of note. Yeah, that's exactly where it ended. After you hear one shot and then a bunch more, it fades to black and then you just hear the lime and a coconut song. Yeah, 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 that and is I how they end. hate that song. Yeah. Well, I I think like the movie had almost nothing but villains for the most part. Like, even Mr. Orange, who's supposed to be kind of the good guy, had, like, he felt that he did become the bad guy over there. Like, th- yes, he you, felt yeah. bad because he didn't, he wasn't able to help his cop friend and he was yeah. not able to, he, he had to shoot yeah. that woman. I mean, really, he, re- he was just like, a, you see him, like, right before he goes out to join the group when he's at his house and he looks in the mirror at himself and he's like trying to convince himself that he's cool enough for this. Yeah, he was trying to convince himself that no one no one thinks anything bad, like no one believes that he is a cop. Yeah. Everybody has fallen for it. Yeah, and that he is cool enough for this. Like he's wearing this leather jacket. Mm-hmm. And clearly you know, he was just like this dork the whole time. And then right after he leaves and gets into the car with a bunch of bad guys, you hear the cops in the car behind them that's going to trail them say wow that guy has some big balls yeah and you're just like you're right though yeah yeah i mean i don't know like i think the like with the way the movie ends i think mr orange has just like fallen thinking that like he has pretty much killed this entire group of people Mm -hmm. like it's his fault that all these people died and he definitely like other than mr blonde who he definitely wanted to kill yeah when he killed him like I think that he really cares a lot about some of the people in the group, mostly Mr. White. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that he killed a civilian and the fact that, like, that police officer was just killed in front of him that, like, like basically, like, gave up his, like, his life so that Mr. Orange's identity would stay safe. Yeah. Like, he definitely feels too much in debt, uh, and that's why he has to reveal his identity, and he knows he's going to die because of that. I still don't want to think he dies. I yeah. <laughs> so so there is one other thing that I wanted to talk about with this movie, which um, just kind of a weird trivia fact about this movie, um, that also kind of goes back to uh, Quentin Tarantino is he's a great director. He makes very violent movies. Okay. Um, he's also known as like people call him like the the king of dialogue. They they say he's like really really good at making dialogue. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, there's some interesting dialogue in this movie. It seems a very good dialogue. Yeah. Um, but he's very unoriginal. Okay. Um, and what this this comes down to is that this movie is basically a remake of a movie that came out like a few years earlier. 
Um, there's this movie. Uh, it was made in Hong Kong. Uh, translates. I bet to I don't being, know what it is. No, it, it translates to City on Fire. Okay. And it follows almost exactly the same plot. But in Hong Kong. But yeah, it is in Hong Kong. And uh, basically, it follows this guy, this kid who becomes an undercover an undercover cop, who then goes and infiltrates like this group in the same way, and they all call each other by colors. <laughs> as well and then they go and they steal from this jewelry store stuff goes wrong because one guy starts shooting up the place and the do same you, thing the enti- do you entire do you during the entire time know that orange is the undercover cop yeah in that movie it is linear okay because i feel like the most genius part of this is the selected information yeah. but and then anyways the, the movie goes they go back to like this safe house and the same mm-hmm. sort of events happen ending then with the same sort of scene where there's a standoff everybody gets shot you have this mr white character just in the hong kong version is his color also white i don't know i just want to know if they correspond but but then you you like he finds out that like this guy he was defending is the cop and then he kills him and gets killed by the cops okay it's the same exact plot like and the thing is like this was only a few years off of each other and, like, he could kind of get away with it because it's, like, basically stealing from a movie in a different country that most likely none of the viewers of this movie have ever seen that movie. Probably not. Yeah. And, I like, I don't know if that's okay, but I, <laughs> like, I feel like the movie then that we got here, Reservoir Dogs, is just, like, it's so, like, I, I assume it's better. Yeah, the movie but... that you described to me sounds okay. Yeah. But, again, the best part that I feel... I feel the best part of this movie was how you didn't know yeah. who the bad guy was. Yeah. You didn't know any of the backstories. You didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know what had happened. Yeah. The fact that it's not linear, like, is very, very important to this plot. And, and then, like, well, just, like, the way that things are revealed. Is, like, like, just very, the very basic important. plot is mm-hmm. kind of boring and could be over in about half an hour, probably, yeah. if, yeah. You, if you brushed it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I mean, ultimately, like, this is, this is a great movie. I don't know how you felt about it. This was my, like, third time seeing it, I think. I very much liked this movie. I wasn't expecting to. Yeah. I thought it was going to be in black and white. I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, uh, you also, you know, no, um, no cake battles between rival gangs. Yeah, I'm disappointed there about no the lack alley of cats. bakeries. No alley cats either. Uh, You're right. Yeah. The, the cops were like alley cats. Okay, I guess. In that there were so many of them. Yeah, there there were a lot, a lot of police officers. Yeah, I knew cannon fodder. Which was, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no cake. Nope. No cake. 